0: When I was a kid, I loved
1: the Batman TV show. This Ben Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview, is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J., take it away.
2: Bonus time on the Ben Jarodzki Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Of course, you can be listening anytime because it's a podcast. Headlines in the New York Times. Give you a sense of what's going on in the world uh, today. Here are the headlines. Pence and Harris debate response to the pandemic. Yes, indeed. We were talking about it all day in a regular show. Uh, last night was the vice presidential debate. Uh, and I think pretty much everybody with a brain agrees uh, that uh, Michael Pence finished third in that debate. Kamala Harris finished first, she whooped him. And in second place was the fly, uh, who landed on Michael Pence's head and stayed there for two minutes. I love that fly just sitting on that mane of white hair. It's all that like sticky gluey stuff he had in his hair. The fly was like, hey, I'm trying to get away. And the, he's like, he's got his little foot, his fly foot. The fly, even had half feet out of. He's got his, like I just have a cartoon in my mind fly trying to extricate himself anyway so if you're listening to this 20 years from now that's what was going on uh in the news uh this is a cannabis conversation and as such i am going to uh, introduce my partner in crime for all ca- cannabis conversations the great lisa uh solomon Mann, and she is going to introduce our guests so lisa from my beloved chicago reader introduce our guests
0: Hey, Ben. Yeah, today we've got Michael Malcolm, who some of you may have seen on a recent cover of the Chicago Sun-Times. Michael has applied for cannabis licenses, but before we talk about that, Michael, um, I'd like for you to just give us a little bit about your background, take us through your journey, how you became a cannabis consultant, and then I'd love for you to talk about the history of prohibition, and when I say prohibition, of course, I mean prohibition of cannabis.
1: Yes. Yeah. So thank you, Lisa and Ben, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so again, my name is Michael Malcolm. I am a real estate agent um, in Chicago. I've been working in real estate since I've been out of high school. So about 20 years now, um, I've been a full time real estate agent for the last 10 years. And the way that I got into uh, cannabis actually started with one of my longtime real estate uh, clients. Um, he got into the industry out in Colorado about uh, five or six years ago. Um, and he was a good friend of mine. And when he first went out there, you know, everybody here thought he was crazy. I mean, we were, we were making pretty good money. So no one even understood why he wanted to rock the boat. Um, but he uh, was adamant about doing it. So he, um, had invited me to come out, but I said, yeah, you know, maybe some other time I didn't, again, this was five, six years ago before legalization in Illinois was even on the radar. So, um, I just kind of poo-pooed the whole idea, um, but um, I always have been an avid uh, traveler, and I'm a super foodie. I eat out at restaurants all over the city, um, and so friends and family, they would always encouraged me to do um, like a, a blog, like a food blog or a travel blog, and I was like, oh, I'm not really a blogger. Um, but um, in 2018, I saw the legalization um, becoming a reality here in Illinois, um, and I kept thinking about my client friend out in Colorado and I was thinking, well, what if I did, um, a legal stress, legal, we travel and food blog. I was like, maybe that is a way I could create a niche for myself and kind of differentiate myself from everyone else. Um, so, um, I called my friend, um, long story short, I called my friend, he invited me out and it kind of really snowballed from there. Um, uh, that company, uh, would, uh, end up being Viola, uh, which is even the way I found out about that was, uh, was a little bit crazy just because, um, I was kind of researching what a, what a cannabis blog was. And, um, I came across an article in GQ magazine that said, Al Harrington wants to be NBA's first marijuana mogul and he kept on talking about Colorado and how that's where the culture was. And that's where the heart of the industry was. And again, this is like six, seven years ago. And I was like, really Colorado? It just didn't, you know, I'm sorry. This was in 2018. I was like, really, Colorado, everybody knows it's California. Like California is where the industry really is. Um, The heart of the industry is at least. Um, So that, just him saying Colorado on the uh, on the magazine article I was reading prompted me to call my friend in call and that's in Colorado. And I said, hey, you know, how's how's business? Are you guys in jail? Are you <laughs> like, like are you guys making any money out there? I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, no, we're in uh, Colorado. We're in Oregon. We're in California. We're in Michigan. And I was like, damn, bro. Like, like again, it wasn't... Again, he would maybe have been out there a total of like five or six years at this point. And I was like, like oh, what happened? How did you move so fast? And he said, oh, I don't know if I told you, but Al Harrington is my business partner. Mm-hmm. Now, when he said this to me, I still had the GQ magazine article with Al Harrington's face on my computer screen. <laughs> like, I literally called him just because I was reading the article I, and... And it was so, so it just, it just blew my mind. And I said, bro, I said, Viola? That's Al Harrington's company. I said, Viola, that's your company. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm reading about you right now. That's the reason I called you. And he was like, dude, it's real. Come out here. Um, So, again, that was spring of 2018. Um, And so he invited me out to Denver um, and they really gave me a crash course on the business. Everything from um, from seed to sale, um, everything from the operations on the process of growing the plant, Um, harvesting the plant, processing the plant, trimming, packaging, and then uh, the sale and retail operations. So I started by uh, uh, just learning everything directly from them, and um, and then uh, in twenty and then later that year they invited me out. I filmed uh, some content for them in Oregon on their farm. They have a forty acre farm outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, that time I came with the whole camera crew. Like I said, it really <laughs> I'm jumping around, but it was really it's really like a snowball of things. But I think one of the things I always like to tell people who look to who are looking to get in is just that um, the the best way that I get got in is really my. relationship relationships that I have built um over the years because again um it's, this is somebody the people who let me in these are people that I had done business with we had made money together and they knew my character and they knew that when I said that I wanted to do something or I was interested they took it upon themselves to bring me in and had no problem showing me how how everything works which is it doesn't matter what industry you're in people aren't always so willing to do that you know with somebody who's just starting in so I just wanted to make that point because I can't thank the Viola guys enough uh for really being the reason why I got to this point.
0: You know, they have a reputation for really helping people out and the timing of this conversation is so interesting because Al Harrington is our next cannabis conversations guest. Oh wow, Ooh.
1: yeah. Yeah, big yeah, pal. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, good. Two weeks. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. See there? I'm just telling it's that's how it's been it's been so serendipitous like that. Like, yeah, so that's cool.
0: All right. So before we start talking about the application debacle, Uh will you tell everyone about the history of cannabis prohibition? You can give the short version of it because it's just hours
1: to go through it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I know um, just as far as the, you know, in uh, the United States, the history of it is really, uh, it was really the prohibition side was really linked towards more of a racism towards uh, both Native uh, Mexican people and Black people um, because uh, it was kind of, uh thought of to be those people's drug of choice. Um, I don't know if, how true that was back then. That's definitely not the truth now. Mm, that's <laughs> um, for sure. <laughs> right? Um, but I don't know how true that was. But they uh, found that way to, um, to um, create just a system of um, incarceration, mass incarceration that we see um, even still going on today, where um, people are still all over the country still being locked up for cannabis. Um, I was just recently reading, reading a story about how a guy, um, legally bought a uh, medical cannabis and drove through a state that wasn't legal yet. And he's a veteran and they uh, arrested him uh, on a traffic stop, found the cannabis. And now he's fo- facing like years in prison. This is a vet. I think he had like a PTSD or some type of brain injury or something like that. Um, but it's just a really sad story that people are still being prosecuted. Um, well, obviously now people are, are, uh, making billions of dollars, you know? Oh,
2: it it annoys me to no end, Uh, Michael. And Lisa's heard me on this. Uh, We've done many interviews where I go off on these rants about this, Uh, just the hypocrisy in our country where everybody smokes it, uh, but pretty much only black people get arrested for smoking, at least in the city of Chicago. That's something that struck me before we get into the debacle. And uh, as I started off, you could tell, I want Donald Trump to lose, okay? I very much want Donald, I think the country (laughs) cannot progress as a civilization with this man in office anymore. Okay, Okay. that said, one of my disappointing uh, moments at the debate last night was when I heard Kamala Harris uh, make that reference to uh, marijuana at the end of the debate. She said, decriminalize marijuana. And I just shook my head. I go, there the Dems go again. You know, it should be legalized marijuana. But they're so cautious. They're so
1: afraid of turning off middle and uh, turning off people who are already smoking the stuff. Michael, my- <laughs> you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, um, that's an interesting uh, concept. I'm going to share some, um, some insight that some of my industry Um, colleagues had with me on the whole idea of legalization versus decriminalization um that made me kind of rerun because i was i was always kind of under the pressure it's the same way you i want it to be legalized right it should just be federally illegal and we won't have a lot of these issues the problem is is the way that um our industries are set up here in the united states it's not very fair for people trying to get in for uh Uh, especially something like this, right, where there's a pharmaceutical aspect to it. So it's kind of a good thing that they decriminalize it and don't legalize it because the second that they make it federally legal, the large pharmaceutical companies will come in and they will really crush everybody. That's the idea. Like, if you think that it's unfair now with these large MSOs coming around, throwing around their weight, Wait till all these companies that can't touch it because it because they have federal contracts. Wait till they get a chance to get in on this industry and then it's gonna be even tougher.
2: You know, Michael, I, I hear what you're saying and my response is, I'm just gonna bang my head against mm-hmm. the wall because <laughs> we're put up, in, we're, we, the logic for putting up with an inequity is that the inequity be worse if we didn't put up with this inequity, so let's just put up with this inequity a little while longer. I know what you're saying. The yeah. Reality, I get you. We saw that. We'll get into this. I know Lisa's got some uh, leadoff questions to talk about what's gone down in Illinois as we try to do it fairly. And but do you follow my logic? You yeah. know what I mean? No, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and like yeah. I said, I'm not even so, so sure I even agree with that. That was just the only. The only uh, uh, retort that somebody said to me that I kind of made me pause and say, okay, well, that's, I hadn't considered that. (laughs) I hadn't considered like the other players who haven't even entered the field yet, um, just because they federally can't. So yeah. And before right. this goes, I just gotta
2: say, John Boehner, I alluded to former House Speaker, Republican, mm-hmm. uh, notorious uh, mm-hmm. law and order type. Mm-hmm. As soon as he got out of Congress, boom, he got in on the cannabis industry. I'm like, have these people no shame?
1: No shame, but Ben, but Ben, that's but this is also something you should do. I saw that as well, but you know what I did. Oh. i bought stock in that company right because <laughs> that guy knows something God, okay a- he knows something right so i' gonna put some money behind him not a whole lot not a whole lot right well if I'm not a gambler right but when i do i don't i don't buy any stocks uh really any uh, i'm uh that's not how I, I'm a real estate guy but I've been dabbling a little bit with cannabis stocks and I definitely uh i'm not gonna say what company that is but I definitely um own some stock in that company
0: all right look, well, disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure time of the Ben show. All right,
2: Lisa, ask your question. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, the one point I want to make about the federal legalization, I mean, you do raise a good point, but I still think we do need legalization. I know you weren't speaking out against it, but I think there need to be... Um, sort of stop gaps we need things put in place to protect the cannabis industry because people who know anything about the plant realize this is like a beautiful plant it's holistic medicine you can't just turn everything into a pill because you're not going to get the full benefits out of it you can get benefits from some of the capsules and some of the standardized products but people still need choices to really maximize it so i agree 100 percent Mm-hmm. Now, we'll move on to the Illinois licensing. So you've been public about the fact that you applied for licenses, and you were not put through into the lottery. So will you talk a little bit about that? Um, one thing is that this turned into a an equity round for veterans, and there were some issues with questioning your residency. So...
1: Yeah. So um, last year, when the licenses came out, because um, I, I think it's so important to see, I, I saw the way that the sc- that the application was going to get scored. I saw that last last year. It was very clear that the the only way to get one hundred percent of the points was going to be if you your application, uh, the entity that put in the application, I should say, was fifty one percent owned and controlled by a veteran. Now. To me at the time, looking at that, I didn't think that the state I thought that the state would recognize that by doing that they were going to guarantee that 100 that to, to get a perfect score that's the only way you're going to get a license for one and that what that means is that 100% of the licenses were going to go to veterans. Now, I just didn't believe I honestly just did not believe that the state would allow that and, and because I thought that they would see that if they give 100% of the licenses to veterans uh, that is discrimination for towards all non-vets, right? Like, mm-hmm. and the whole point of this bill is equity. Um, and then the other part of that is that at no point in time did the state ever say that the veterans were the group that uh, were supposed to be mostly helped or impacted by this law. Like, it was supposed to go towards people who either, A, were arrested for cannabis in the state of Illinois, two, lived in one of these impacted areas, or three, the loophole, as I kind of saw it, was if you own a company that hires a majority of people from those impacted areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that, that's the social equity part of it. That was who the law was supposed to benefit. Um, it wasn't stated that it was supposed to benefit veterans. And, uh, you know, I want to be on the record. I'm a, I have nothing against vets, right? Like my family um, is heavy in the military. Um, I have active duty um, service members right now um, uh, in my family. And, um, but at the same time, um, only 1% of the U.S. population are veteran. Only 12% of the black community are veterans. I don't understand how the state, could then give 100% of the licenses to veterans, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. and um like so so that was that um but uh, yeah so the so our applications got turned in scores came out late um as everyone knows now and the scores beyond just the whole my whole issue with the veteran thing which came into play with my scores because i did not get those 5 veteran points um but certain things well my application were just graded just flat out wrong like uh they said that i didn't prove my illinois residency Right. Now, um, we had to get five years, unlike some um, public figures we know, we have to get five years of tax returns. <laughs> OK, five years of tax returns, not to get a license, but wow. just to apply for a license. OK, that's not even to get a license, just to apply for the license. Five years of tax returns, um, which I've always lived in Illinois. And again, I'm a licensed real estate agent in Illinois. Um, I've only all of I you know all my taxes I have all my tax records it all says Illinois also the company that I formed um, I did a joint venture with a uh, in-state MSO Columbia Care Um, And we did a joint venture together. One of my my uh, consulting company, WTF Consulting with Columbia Care, did a joint venture called Malcolm Partners, LLC. That is the applicant name that we filed under for our, our licenses. That is an Illinois company, both WTF Consulting and Malcolm Partners, LLC. We have flow charts. We have graph charts. We have everything laid out a million different ways to show people that, again, All these things, all these entities are Illinois entities. I am from Illinois, and I am 51% owner and controller of this company. So, for them to, for the, for the KPMG, the accounting firm, to just say that I just don't get those points. Like I'm, I didn't prove it. That just let me know that everything else that happened with the scoring round was probably not up to uh, standards. Wait, to so you have,
2: good way. you you've always lived in Illinois. Uh you you uh we we had a conversation before when the air, so I know where you went to high school, I know where you mm-hmm. grew up, I know where you live right now and mm-hmm. where you operate. Uh, how in the world did they miss that? How in your humble opinion uh, having done some questioning, did they get this basic thing wrong?
1: Um the only thing I can really uh I, I, you know, I I really don't know. Um, The only thing I can really say is that they just didn't take it seriously. Um... I, I you know, I'm a real estate guy, so um I used to have a real estate client that um he used to do rehabs and he had two different sets of contractors that came in and do the work. And mm-hmm. we could always tell when the A team was there and when the B team was there because <laughs> the B team's work was not quite up to snuff it to the A team and that's the only way I could kind of think of this. Maybe I got a B team that scored my app and so it just like they just flat out miss things. Like it's <laughs> just it's just wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like no other way to describe it, you know.
0: And did you get any deficiency notices to be given an opportunity to rectify their error?
1: Yeah, well, I got a deficiency notice. um, And my deficiency notice was because, again, we had to get five years of our most recent tax returns. And I couldn't find the furthest, the fifth year. uh, And so I gave the sixth year because that's what I had handy at the time when it was turning to turn in the paperwork, um, knowing that they were going to give me a deficiency and tell me to give them the current paperwork. I did that. When they sent that out, that's the only deficiency that I received, though.
0: So they actually thought you corrected it. I did. Neglected to give you any of the points in that. Correct. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Now I'm going to assume
1: again that could just have been the tax part that was a separate requirement because I don't know if they were using the tax part to verify the Illinois residency. You would think so, but not you know not necessarily. You know, I guess it's possible for a person to have one year. Of Illinois taxes, but um, point is that I I did what they asked, and they still didn't give me all my right points. So I'm um, pushing. Me and my partners at Columbia Care are pushing to have our apps rescored. Um, as far as I know, right now we have not received our, any deficiency notices. Uh, the new ones that the state said that um, they're supposed to be sending out, uh, we haven't received anything as of yet.
0: So really, I thought they were supposed to do that right away. I thought they were supposed to
1: do that right away as well, but um, I think... Now again, I haven't talked to too many people recently um, that uh, are in my position, but I think it's going to take a little bit longer than the state recognizes because a lot of people said that they didn't receive points on places where they didn't receive deficiencies, like like us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I would think that the apps need to be rescored again. <laughs> like you need to look at everything again to make yeah. sure that you got your point. I don't know how you just like how do you because how do you send a deficiency notice out for something again? Like even mine. If they sent me another deficiency notice for my residency, I would not know what to show them. (laughs) Like, I don't know what they need. Like, I don't know what else I give you. Like, there's nothing, I can give you my passport. Like, that's the only other thing. Like, I don't know.
0: So, there are lawsuits pending on both sides from applicant. Mm -hmm feel or know for a fact they were scored unfairly and from people who made it through to the lottery that don't want other people to get in what are your thoughts on that especially since some of those people probably got points where they shouldn't have because if that many people had been taken off we got to assume something happened the other way too yeah that's
1: a great point um i really think um honestly i was just talking to someone about this yesterday and i can only describe it as greed um it's I feel like because um, I there's some people that I've talked to that um are I feel are good people and have the good the right intentions, but I think the money is so close <laughs> at this yeah. point. And so it's hard to it's hard to say oh well let's make it be fair and they're like oh no well we'll just get it right on the next round it's like yeah because you just won <laughs> that's yeah. why you say oh yeah you know and then um like you said the company some i saw that lawsuit as well the company that's suing for the state to just make the uh to make right the errors that they made um I, which to me is insane because I, I saw like some of the quotes that one of the person said something about oh well if the ref calls a bad uh, makes a bad call then you can't change the end of the score of the game and, I, and my thing is like well that's why we have instant replay now because sometimes refs make bad calls right that's why you know the game isn't over if you want to use that analogy you don't have anything yet you know so again while they're they're upset about the scores I'm really hoping that the state does more even on the veteran point thing because I know that the, the toy Hutchinson had said that they may not be able to do anything until the next round, but um, th- to me, they've openly acknowledged that the veteran point system, or adding those five points in is a problem. Mm-hmm. They publicly announced this on several different levels. I don't know how you acknowledge that you made a huge mistake and then still move forward with it. Uh,
2: <laughs> just uh, so people know uh, who are listening to this for the first time, the toy Hutchinson that Michael uh, referred to is uh, former state senator Toy Hutchinson, uh, who was appointed at the time. They called her the, uh, the cannabis czar, mm. uh, J.B. Pritzker appointed a cannabis czar. So uh, that's the toy Hutchinson uh, Michael's referring to. All right. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every guest that comes on. Right. I'm I'm doing this as a rookie. I told you this before. <laughs> I, I have no application okay. uh, in the game. I'm not Tommy Shuba. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I'm of the show, I've I've not read the book inside and out. Okay, uh, so I'm just a a newspaper reader reading about this. Sure, it makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. And you and feel free to vigorously. I told you, feel free to vigorously disagree with me if you do. Okay. I do not understand why people are allowed multiple applications uh-huh. we have th- these people following lawsuits have like put in 10 applications yeah and they're like well you know it, 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 it's not fair to, to punish us i'm like you put in 10 applications yeah. There's, like if everybody just put in one application everybody would have gotten a license <laughs> to sell reefer and it's like <laughs> problem solved now you get the multiple applications and again I'm just an outsider reading the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, my first instinct, following Illinois politics forever, was what they said. Well, here's what we're going to do: we'll make Michael Malcolm kick in ten applications. It's like two thousand dollars an application. We just mm-hmm. got twenty grand, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they got all these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So uh, penny wise, pound foolish, as my mom used to say. Yeah. Uh, so Michael, please explain the philosophy, the logic. Uh, behind having mul- allowing people to have multiple applications. Go
1: yeah, fantastic, fantastic question. I think it makes no sense at all. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Well, actually, let me even go back a little bit. What I actually I saw. I actually had a misunderstanding and I think there was a lot of confusion out there because I talked to a lot of different applicants when we were going through the application process and what I was under the understanding was that each entity could put up to 10 applications in and win a total, a max of three licenses. That's how I read the bill. Obviously, that's not how people understood the bill. (laughs) The way it ended up being was that you could put in unlimited licenses and win up to 10 of them. Now, the state was only giving out 75 licenses. Why they thought, again, equity, I'm on your side here, Ben, 100%, why they thought it was a good idea for one entity to win 10 licenses when they're only giving out 75, the state was going to create monopolies from the very beginning. Yes. Yeah, and and, and again, they did so many things that I just saw was going to be wrong from the very beginning. The the first thing that they did was by giving the retail, the uh, dispensary license applications by putting that out first because already, I'm a medical uh, cannabis patient here in Illinois, and what anybody in the medical, uh, uh, any medical patient will tell you is that there has been a limit on supply. It's been a short of supply for about a year now, possibly because of legalization with REC coming, but it's definitely been a short on supply. The state putting out retail first and then saying that they're they are for equity and that they want these companies to be to stand up and be independent. That makes no sense because all of these, let's say that the 21 company, go with the 21 that won, right? Let's see these 21, they get their 75 licenses they still are going to be dependent on the existing in-state operators for their supply. Mm-hmm. They can't buy cannabis from outside the state. So the state is still like, they still are under the thumb of the large scale operators. Like there's no real equity. There's no, there's no independency at all. You know, they're still dependent on them. So that's the number one thing. And then uh you know, so so to answer your question about as far as the fees and all that go, that's kind of like the logic behind how I went about my process and, and uh, going after the licenses. I honestly just never thought it was going to be fair. Looking at, I saw everything in the application, right? I saw, I knew there was going to be a bunch of people that was going to apply. I figured that you were going to have to have a perfect score. I hope maybe the state would change things. Um, but what I did was I also saw that the state, also told the existing operators that they had to help people that qualified as social equity uh, with their applications. And it was a couple different ways they could do it. They could actually help people like myself write the application. They could donate some money to nonprofit organizations. They could hold work- workshops. It was several different things like that. So, what I did was I just talked to a couple of the different, a uh, couple of the different um, in-state operators about partnering with me on my application. And I said, "Hey." Um, this is actually I don't know if you saw the story uh, that I had on my page with one of the companies um, that had approached me about being a brand ambassador for them and I basically told them like hey since you want to use my face on your marketing material why don't you help me with my dispensary license application Mm -hmm. right? and then you you guys write the application my initial deal was that they could write the application I would pay the fees I ended up not doing that deal with them but I ended up partnering with Columbia Care they wrote the application I helped write some of it, but they wrote the majority of the application and they paid the fees. So, again, that was kind of me just strategically doing it where, uh, and this is another point that I always like to make is that clearly Columbia Care, we put in 10 applications, that's $25,000. Mm. They, they didn't pay $25,000 because they didn't think that I had an opportunity. Right. Or they didn't think that I was qualified. They were hoping and because I and I know this because I talked to them during the process. They were hoping, just like I was, that the state would recognize that they were about to discriminate against the majority of people that apply for the licenses. Because I'm pretty sure the majority of the people that apply for the licenses were not veterans. Right. It wasn't veteran owned. Yeah. So, again, if they gave them all to vets, which is which which is what it looks like they're about to do. Um, they were they were going to be discriminated against. So, you know, that was kind of my thing. I know I don't probably I listen. I'm, Lisa and I have been on a couple of these calls where there's some people they're like, oh, I spend all my money and I don't have a pot to piss in now because I spent all my money applying on cannabis licenses and I feel for them. But at the same time, I. I am a business person, and I do feel like um, some people have to be smarter about the way they do and a little bit more strategic about their actions. Like, if you don't have a lot of money, maybe don't spend it all on non-refundable cannabis license applications. <laughs> like Maybe that's not the best use of your $2,500, you know, or maybe don't. Like me, I refused. I had other partners that I could have put in my application licenses with. I was very particular about who I apply it with. Number one, I only was going to apply if I could apply with an in-state operator, and I wanted them to be an in-state operator that had a dispensary license so that I knew, uh, dispensary uh, uh, that was operating, so I knew that they knew how to write dispensary applications and win licenses. And I also wanted an in-state operator that had a cultivation facility because I wanted to make sure that I have a supply. Again, I have been traveling around the country, learning about different social equity programs And different markets in each state. And each state is truly its own market because because it's not federally legal. Everything has to happen in state. Everything from seed to sale. It all happens in state. So each market has its own dynamics. Each state, I should say, has its own dynamics in the market. Um so I was very adamant that the only way that I would apply, the only way that I would apply was with the in-state operator that had a dispensary and a cultivation and that would they would agree to supply me because what is going to happen if these 21 companies they get their 75 licenses the ones that don't have the relationships with the in-state operators they are going to get starved out the market. They're either going to get starved out the market, they're not going or they're not going to get the best product or the competition is going to undercut them because, again, all of the growers in the state of Illinois, they all have their own retail as well already. Mm-hmm. So if I grow and I have my own store where I can grow or I can sell my product that I grow and you only have retail, why would I give you my best product? Mm-hmm. Or why I not I would give you the best product or I'll give you the same product that I have and I'll just undercut you. Yeah. I'll always be cheaper than you. Yeah. It, yeah. So it like it's it was a, It's called it was a, a monopoly. Uh, <laughs> that's so. what it, you just described the monopoly. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So sorry, here. Sorry for getting the weeds like that. No, but, but uh, <laughs> no, no <laughs> pun intended. Uh, yeah. uh, I think that yeah. joke is used
2: every time we have a cannabis conversation. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, about for going into the weeds. Um, all right. So I'm gonna uh, ask you. Uh, we'll close by asking you to make a prognostication, a prediction. Uh, there was a great song from way back in the day called "Where Are We Going?" A shout out to donald bird so where are we going with this uh lisa talked about the lawsuits conflicting Mm -hmm. lawsuits both sides uh governor pritzker said he uh intends to uh rectify this somehow or other i don't think he got specific as to how he's going to rectify it yeah Uh, but he realized he's under political pressure ricky hendon my old friend the state senator is having press conferences at city hall seems like every other week putting keeping the pressure on where michael do you see this going
1: yeah. So I'm going to, the way I'm going to look at it is uh, I'll be, I'll admit earlier this summer with everything going on, I was feeling really down um, after the George Floyd thing. I was really in a, at a low point. I feel I, um, uh, that was in early June, late, late May, um, mid July. I caught COVID. Um, I got sick uh, for about a week or so. Um, I was really upset about that. Then the license stuff happened. I was upset about that. Um, Uh, these cannabis licenses, um, seeing the scores and everything. I was upset about that. Um, but Trump getting COVID has honestly turned my spirits around and made me more optimistic about the future. I'm not going to lie. I don't wish sickness or death or illness on anyone. Okay. Let me be clear. I don't wish that on anyone. But sometimes I feel like the universe just has to correct itself. There's so much inequity and there's so much just unfairness going on in the world right now that I, that had to happen. And so, in that spirit, I am going to say I'm going to go I'm going to go out there on a limb and say I feel like the state is going to do the right thing and recognize that no matter what happens, if they give 100 percent of licenses to one group of people, I don't care if they're all veteran, non veteran, all short, all tall, all white, all black. If you give them to all one group of all one people. That is discrimination. (laughs) And that is the opposite of equity It is the opposite of social equity It's the opposite of the intention of the law. So I'm going to just say that I don't know how they're going to get to this. And it might take a while. Like I know some states it takes over a year before they actually issue the licenses because so much stuff has to get uh, straightened out. But I'm just hoping that, um, that they do that. And I know people are going to listen to this and say, oh, well, it's going to take longer. And the current MSOs are going to just have a bigger market share. They already have that larger market share. They're already crushing it. If you look at the numbers, they're going to do what they're going to do. But people who are the industry know that the smaller companies, the craft growers and the people who actually have relationships with the neighborhoods, there's always going to be um, some value in that as well. So I would rather them do it, get it right than just, like you said, um, Ben, just give all 10 licenses, give all 10 licenses to the, to the guy that owns Tavern and Rush. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Now, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, right. I don't know.
2: I, I know this is cannabis conversation, uh-huh. and we probably, uh, uh at the limit of the time, we usually a lot. But you said something, and I have to close by asking this with a non-cannabis question, and sure. I apologize to Lisa you said you had COVID uh, earlier this summer and how uh, difficult that was to deal with. You, I got to get your response and your thoughts and your reaction to watching what uh, Donald Trump is doing right now. Uh, he's, If you believe what they say, and I don't want to be conspiracy theorists, I'm just going to go with the prevailing reports, he has COVID. Michael, he's trotting around, pounding his chest, taking his mask off, making his Secret Service guys drive around the block telling people I'm, I, this drug's work, I'm going to make sure every one of you is going to get it, now it just comes out today that the drug is a product of fetal stem cells, which Mike, which Donald Trump and the right-wing Republicans I can't make this stuff up, Michael oh, wow. have dedicated themselves <laughs> to abolishing, so how the hell are you going to reproduce the drug that supposedly saved your dumb life with something that you have dedicated to abolishing? They are so full of it. They're so, I <laughs> just get me going here, Michael. I didn't mean, but I'm just like, when you, you triggered me, Michael, okay? No, no. When you said that thing, I mean, yeah. Trump is out of, so what is your, when you see Trump doing this stuff, you had COVID. You know what yeah. it's like. Yep. Talk about
1: it. Yeah. So um, to start from the beginning, um, I told my mother back uh, in April when everything was really going haywire um, and Trump was out there downplaying it. I said, um, if the virus is real, because everybody was talking about, is it real or not at the time? Not many people knew a lot of people who had it. But I said, I told my mother, I said, if the virus is real, he will catch it. And so will everyone in that White House. I said that in April, <laughs> so I just want to be on the record for that. Uh, my girl will tell you that I called it, and but but to to your point, it took a long time. <laughs> That's kind of like what I was saying. Like it took a really long time for them for it to happen. But it, when it happened, it, it happened strong. But like I said, I really it feels like karmic uh, uh, cosmic justice to me. I think he has it because. Um, number one, they're not good at hiding anything, and they're not good at, like, covering up. He's definitely not any type of mastermind. And for sure, yeah. If he was, the exact same thing would happen would be, like, he would pretend to catch COVID, and then everyone around him actually catches it. Like, because I'm sure Chris Christie didn't go to the hospital, like, to trick people. <laughs> like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and same thing with Trump. I don't think that he would have, I don't think that, he might have said he had COVID. He definitely would not have gone to the hospital. Yeah. Like, He did, and he definitely would not have do what he's doing now, which is stop campaigning uh, and stop going to his uh, rallies because he loves to be admired and he loves money more than anything. So if you tell him he can't be praised and he can't get money from people who quote unquote love him, then you know I don't I just don't see him saying like yeah that's a good idea Mm -hmm. you know. So that's kind of I I think he has it. Um, I think it's well deserved. Um, I hope. He pulls through only because I hope I don't wish death on anyone. I just hope it's a long, painful, <laughs> like horrible, like you know, talk to me through the glass type of like you're gonna get through it one day <laughs> type of thing. Like that's how I'm hoping. I'm hoping like he stays in isolation for the rest of like his term when he gets out in January twentieth. That's what I'm really hoping. Okay,
2: like, uh, that is funny. We have another guest, regular guest of the show, uh, Monroe Anderson. Uh, uh, who has been consistently anti-Trump from the moment Trump was elected. He comes on the show every week, blasts Trump. And he, he, his attitude was, I I hope uh, very much that Donald Trump survives uh, this COVID uh, because uh, I want him around to see him get uh, defeated in a landslide. And then I want him around... Uh, to watch Joe Biden get sworn in with Kamala Harris as the VP and then I want him around Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the sure. to have yeah.
1: the orange suit put on him and the yeah. cuffs. For cheating on his taxes. Hell I'm just saying what yeah.
2: Monroe Anderson says. Yeah,
1: no, all of that. And I want him, like I said, maybe like uh, like lose a limb or something. Like maybe you gotta lose a arm. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, that's too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the views and opinions
2: of Michael and Malcolm do not in any way reflect those of the Ben Jironsky show. Okay, like, so
1: wanna... I just know that some people who have survived, right, are having yeah. terrible things that they have to deal with afterwards. Wow. Thankfully, I, have, I had a Very mild case even when I was sick I had a fever I had sweats I had chills I actually did a live on the two days that I was the sickest though I had a live panel that I was on on both days Um, so I got through it pretty well but I know there are other people that are not as fortunate as me and I know that there are people that are still dealing with this and I want him to think about that for the rest of his life so oh, if you gotta okay. lose like a hand or like an arm or a <laughs> forearm, or right, back to head, was <laughs> <even> from the arm <laughs> to a hand,
0: uh, you uh, have a finger. Good walking, talking example of why we should be doing more research on cannabis and how it can help people get through COVID. I think so too. I told my girlfriend I got the
1: iron lungs. Like I was never worried. I was not worried about my lungs. They are they are cannabis coated. For sure.
2: Uh, by the way, before we head up, I you have a
1: T-shirt you're wearing. Mm. It says weed. What else does it say? I just all I can see is the weed part. I'm sorry. It says weed travel food. So that's uh, my website. Oh. Uh, my, yeah, my company is uh, WTF Media, and and I have another company WTF Consulting. Uh, the WTF stands for Weed Travel Food. Got it. Uh, yeah. Um. And um, my website is live. I'm actually uh, rebranding and relaunching. So if you go to it right now, it's working. But we literally just switched all the new stuff. Over like last night um, and ready for a a big relaunch uh, for next week. So check in uh, next week and there's going to be some really cool stuff on the site. I'm uh, partnering with some local restaurants here in Chicago um, and I'm going to be showing um, again different things from different uh, cannabis companies both here in Illinois around the country and I'm actually headed to uh, Jamaica next week um, and I'm going to be talking with some people in the cannabis industry um, on the island so I'm really excited about that. Oh,
2: man, that's pretty cool. All
1: right, Uh, before we uh, uh, shut it down for the show,
2: Lisa, any updates from uh, Readerland that you want people to know about? My beloved Chicago Reader. We've been working there since the 80s. Go.
0: We've got some amazing products. Um, You can show Ben and show the reader some love by going to chicagoreader.com slash support. And one of these days, Ben's best of book will be on that page. But you can check out the other ones right now in our 420 book, which has great recipes and puzzles and coloring pages. So check those out. and. Michael, thank you so much for coming on today. I know Ben's gonna have you back on the show. forward
1: to it. Thank you, I appreciate it, it was awesome. Yeah, no, uh, it's
2: a marriage uh, made in heaven. Uh, Michael was born to be on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> thank you so much for making it possible as you always do with the great guests that uh, you introduce uh, to our show. Michael, thank you very much, best of luck to you. Thank you, uh, it was well. Uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky, take care everybody.